It's the odd, odd, odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. 31 days of Halloween. <laughs> Alright, time for part two of Crows. You know, yesterday basically we learned that crows and ravens pack a lot of neurons in their tiny little crow brains, allowing them to communicate at a higher level than most animals. So, basically they can remember faces and stuff, which is super, super kind of creepy in a way. I don't know, I, I get creeped out by that crow stuff <laughs> a bit, but it's also really interesting. But anyhow... There's a lot more than going on, though, just in a really smart bird. And I'm actually going to continue the deep dive, so to speak, into this as we talk more about what crows are actually capable of because there's just too much to pack into one episode here on 31 Days of Halloween. So let's get going. So you've probably seen chimpanzees stripping leaves off a twig to, like, stick it down to a termite hole and pick out the bugs and like this was a really big deal back in the 60s when naturalist Jane Goodall observed it and it's it's been like one of the fundamental things that separates uh apes basically from a lot of other animals their ability to use tools that discovery changed the very definition of humankind we were no longer the animal kingdom's only tool maker you know Turns out that the other animals manipulate objects in their environment, though, like bottlenose dolphins you see sponges to forage for food, and elephants tear off tree bark and chew it into a ball to plug the opening of a water source. Like chimpanzees, new Caledonian crows, native to South Pacific, also manipulate and use sticks to forage for bugs. Like, now you're starting to see why they're on the same par as the other animals. Crows in Japan are known to place hard to crack acorns in sidewalks and crosswalks, then let the cars do the work for them. Like, how many times have you seen a crow jumping out into the middle of a road and you're wondering what the heck they're after? Like, is it just like a dead mouse or bug or something they're after? No, man, they're probably there cracking a nut to let the cars drive over it and then go get the meat from the nut. Like, pretty cool. <laughs> when crows got into a lab setting, they really show off how smart they are. In 2018, an Oxford study for New Caledonian crows named Tumulte, Taboo and Mango, and Jungle were presented with a transparent box that contained a food pellet, along with a long tool with which to retrieve the food. The birds used the tool almost immediately. In the next phase, the tool was placed by random objects that would also be put together, such as a syringe plunger and its barrel. It took about five minutes for the crows to figure out the tools. In the following phases, the crows were able to craft three, four, and five individual components into tools. They're like the frickin' MacGyvers of magpies here. It involved both combining hollow elements with sticks with other way around, as well as turning the tool to insert the solid end in another hollow element. Like, how freaking smart are these animals? In a 2020 study conducted at the University of Tobago in Germany, two American crows named Ozzy and Glenn had their brain activity tracked as they were given a complex cognitive test that revolved around waiting for a light to flash and then pecking either a red or a blue target. The researchers randomly changed the rule key so they would observe the bird's neurons firing as they worked the problem by recalling past experiences and then cycling through different combinations before arriving at a solution. This level of bird intelligence surpasses most mammal species, so let that sit for a second. Birds are smarter than most mammals. And not only are they most smarter, they're more just creative. They can come up with things. Here's another cool thing, too. Crows do something we do, and that's domesticate other animals. 
Lots of animal species from, form mutually beneficial relationships with other species. But Homo sapiens, that's us, is the only one to actually domesticate them, right? Eh, we're not saying that ravens, slightly larger than genetically similar to crows, have domesticated wolves. But they certainly know how to get those canines to do their bidding. That's why many indigenous people refer to ravens as wolf birds. Brad Bulin, senior naturalist at Yellowstone National Park, has been observing this unique relationship for decades where whenever ravens find a dead animal with too tough a hide for their beaks to penetrate, they land on the carcass and make a series of loud calls that the wolves recognize. The wolves arrive and start to, you know, do the thing, tear it apart, allowing the ravens to get straight to the good stuff later. This behavior goes beyond the birds simply using the wolves as tools, says Bulin. The birds spend much of their time interacting with the wolf pack, these intriguing birds have been known to grab sticks and play tug-of-war with wolf puppies, to fly over young wolves with sticks and tease the small canines into jumping up to grab the sticks, and even to boldly pull the tails of wolves to initiate a reaction. They actually play. They actually play. With the exception of humans and domesticated animals, play is an activity reserved for the young. For other animals, once you're an adult, it's all business until you die. But adult crows are so adept at finding food and staying safe that they have, you know, a little bit of time, free time. That's what it comes down to. To find out what they do with that free time, online search for playing crows videos. You can watch them sliding down a snowy rooftop and then flying back up just to slide down again. Then there's the video of a crow that amuses itself on teeter-totter, flying back and forth from seat to seat as the ball goes up and down. Like, how cool is that? But now we get to the part that's a little bit more odd to Newfoundland, so to speak. And this is the part that really blew my mind and why I really wanted to do this all along. Because it's now documented and proven that crows may actually know us better than we know them. So buckle up, kids, because it's about to get a little bit ugh, shivery in here. Crows aren't just smart. They're getting smarter by the year. A 2020 Keio University study in Tokyo observed eight wild, large-billed crows, each of, each of which had been exposed to Japanese speakers for much of their lives, as they listened to voice recordings. When the voice spoke Japanese, the crows didn't react too much. But when it started speaking Dutch, the birds got excited. One possible reason, says a researcher, the crow knows that tourists who speak other languages are a much better food source than stingy locals who are used to seeing them every day. So not only can crows understand the difference between our languages, they utilize that knowledge to increase their chances of finding those tasty treats. Like, eh? Will we learn how to speak crow? Ornithologists have been able to isolate broad patterns and intentions, such as whether a call is a response to something called contextual, or if it's responding to nothing in particular, non-contextual. It's more likely that crows will learn to speak person. Some laboratory crows have learned more than 100 words and put together their 50 sentences. One crow even learned to count to seven. That might not seem like a lot, but counting requires more brain power than the lion's share of the planet's animals possess. So, if you ever do become the subject of a calamity crow conversion, yell up at them. I'd like to assist you, but I don't understand what you're saying. And if you happen to speak English, what's the worst that could possibly happen? I'd like to leave you today with a little excerpt, so to speak, a little quote from Henry Ward Beecher. If men had wings and bore black feathers, few of them would be clever enough to be crows. <laughs> Don't you go crowing too much tonight. And I hope to see you guys again tomorrow as 31 Days of Halloween 
cause on. <laughs> Take care, guys. Attention all Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio listeners. The Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast brings you the best in East Coast esoterica on the first of every month. Together, we can keep it growing by sharing the show on social media, subscribing to the show wherever you may be listening to it from, and by leaving feedback about your favorite episodes. John certainly needs a friend like you to help make his dreams come true, minus the alien abduction dreams. That is not cool at all. The Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Always available. Always free. Always odd.